Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week, we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. How's it going? You know, it's going okay. We had some snow days. I, it's, I, do your, are your kids so in love with the snow? Yeah, or? they like they spend a half an hour getting ready. They spend five seconds outside. They come in immediately with like wet clothes everywhere and demand hot chocolate as a reward for their like five seconds of cold. Repeat times a million. And then like the <laughs> house is like wet and cold for, you know, for two days. And sadly, because of all the shutdown and, t- and the snow and, and airport troubles, um, I was going to go to the Kansas swearing-in for Laura Kelly, which I was very excited about, which I missed. Aww. But anyway, I, we watched it all, live-streamed it from the snow days. So very neat. What we did, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, snow was good. Yeah. How did your dog enjoy the snow? Uh, so he likes snow quite a bit. He was a little, like, confused by it, it seemed like, but but he, he got into it, loved rolling around in it. I then brought him to Echelon for, like, a take-your-dog-to-work day uh, on Tuesday, and... You know, we had to. We have a new uh, guy who's just joined our team, so we were all going to go out to lunch together, and couldn't bring the dog to the restaurant, obviously, but had him out at the office. And so I was like, okay, I'll put him in my office. My office is totally puppy proofed. I'm giving him a he'll have a bone and a bowl and a towel he can lay on, and he will just chill. And it's way more spacious than his crate, and he will be fine. And we'll be back in 45 minutes. And when we returned. He had jailbroken. Oh, no. PSA, guys. Dogs open doors. Oh, my gosh. Wally had opened my office door. Oh, my God. Escaped. Discovered the bag of dog treats that I had set up in the, like, uh, up on a table where I had put all of his, like, his leash and everything. Ate the entire full bag of dog treats. Then went over to my colleague, Ryan. Ryan, who helps us with the script every week. Went over to his desk. Found Ryan brings his lunch, like, for the week. Ate all four of Ryan's turkey sandwiches <laughs> and attempted a bag of spinach Aww. and then was like, nah, on the spinach. And so we came back from lunch to Wally sitting in the middle of the office, like wa- tail wagging, oh like living his best life That's in the midst so of a landfill of debris. So I had to take him home and like monitor him for like, are you going to die? Are you, I and think he was the moral is you obviously need to take him out to more restaurants. I, you know, I, I guess you can't take him inside a restaurant. Yeah, and so we we went to Virtue Feed and Grain out in Old Town, which during the summer would probably be a great place to bring him because they have that lovely patio. But this being winter, they would have frowned upon that, and for totally understandable reasons. So I really thought like Wally's got this luxury condo it, that is my office, and he has everything he could need. But no, he needed more. 
So, you know, I was that thinking, was my life. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw, or I was thinking about this story recently because I don't know if you saw the Instagram husband article that was <laughs> such an incredible, we can talk about I haven't about brought that. myself like, to read it is, yet. Is, I enjoyed it immensely. Anyway, so it reminded me of this this American Life episode where this woman who decides she's got an Instagram famous dog and she decides she's going to like tell her dad that she's going to quit her job and basically work for her dog. And <laughs> her dog is super famous and she has the dog with her at the restaurant and the dad's like, are you insane? You're going to like do what? You're going to run social media for your dog? Are you a complete lunatic? And as she's trying to explain why this makes sense, the waiter is like, is that, oh my God, is that whatever, whatever dog? The famous dog. <laughs> the famous oh, dog. And so, uh, and so he's like, maybe you're, maybe you're right about this thing. Anyway, so that could be Wally. You know, I have been persuaded to not create a separate social media page for Wally because I, as much as I think he's adorable and wonderful, I am not interested in having like a super Instagram famous dog. And then there was another thing in the Times where someone hired a consultant to see like how hard or easy would it be to make my dog yeah. Instagram famous. There was a I, I, which I also enjoyed. One of the articles I read about this was a, a like he's a reporter who decided he was going to try to make his dog famous. Yeah. But he, the mistake he made was it was going to be like the theme was his dog with like plates of food. Yeah. He thought being that Instagram was big for people taking pictures right. of food and taking pictures of dogs. But then, like, all of the consultants told him, like, no, 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 you can't. Like, don't cross the streams. Like, you have to pick. You're either food I, Instagram or your dog Instagram. I know. I found don't that incredible. Mix them. I found that incredible. So. And, like, I was like, there are Instagram consultants. And then everybody knew exactly. Oh, yes. This is in this situation. You need to do this. You need to. Uh, that, anyway, that's not what this show is about today. But those two, are, those two well, articles were on my mind. Kira recently. at my office, she's the one that populates Echelon's social media feed with stuff. She's the one that, like, Instagram storied when they walked into the office mm. and Wally was like in the midst of his trash and like happy as a clam. Um, but she's really good at this. She has uh, a cat, Sirius the Grey, who like is Instagram. Right, Sirius Grey, like Sirius Black, but Sirius I, the Grey. I be- yes, I believe Harry that's. Potter. Mm-hmm. And so she she was telling me like, you have to use all these hashtags, like hashtag adopt, don't shop and stuff like that. So, but I only like, I think the first couple of days I had Wally, I half tried it. How many it, hobbies and I was, can like, one person oh, have? Yeah, I mean, no. I'm, and it's about to be pepper season, anyways. So like, Wally's about to Wally's about to face the cold, harsh reality that like my attention is about to be divided a little bit because I'm gonna have to start caring for the peppers. So <laughs> yeah, struggle. It's, the it's, struggle is real. The it's struggle like when is Facebook real. is like, here's this picture of your cat that you took like ten years ago that you've never taken a picture of your cat since you've had children. Did you? <laughs> did you? Like, do poor the- cats. He's <laughs> 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 like vintage. <laughs> Photos of my cats are like never been photographed, you know, in the last decade. Yeah, because <laughs> they're now they're just cats. Now they're just cats. Um, I did you have you done that thing where people are posting like their Facebook profile no. photo from? I don't do any of those. I, I almost never do any of those games. I almost never do too, in large part because most of them are just big data harvesting schemes, like. FYI, everybody, don't click a link. Right. Don't click a link. Don't do the viral thing. I just for funsies because so many people were like, "How hard is aging hit me?" Uh, aging's hit me so hard. And I'm like, "Y'all look better now. Like every single last one of you looks better now than when you were hungover in 23." So like, let's knock all this off. But my picture was extremely tan from back when I was in college in Florida. Yeah, and yours was, was one like, of the more different. I mean, lots of people. I was like, "This is not," that, you know. It was very important to be tan when I was in college, and so. I'm going to pay for that, like, in 10 years when all of the sudden, like, all of the sun damage 
really emerges in full. But mm. so I, I'm a I'm a special shade of orange in my old photo. Yeah, but I liked it. The hair for then versus shorter now was good. That was one of the. Should I grow my shows. hair out? Oh no! no. I mean, this oh, is no. not. No, it's just like it was a like it a darker different. contrast. And it was else. that was chapter president Kristen. That's the picture you were looking at. Yeah, college sorority president girl. Very yeah. different than who I am now. I'd like to think so. Well, she was great. That was a different season in my life. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's that was the that's the game, I guess. So, what is happening today? So, what oh, is going on? Gosh. Well. Right now, we are currently in the midst of the longest shutdown in the history of the U.S. government. Is either side feeling the political pain yet? And how widespread is the pain that everyday people and government workers are feeling? We'll take a look at the latest shutdown polling. And then also, what's the shutdown over? It's over the wall. So let's talk about the wall and what how unpopular the wall is as people moves into, move into their partisan camps are the politics of the wall itself changing? Um, the president's job approval, it's trending downward at a slightly faster clip now as more polls come in post-holidays. And Nancy Pelosi is proving my everyone loves a winner theory of politics correct. We'll take a quick look at 2020 polling, some fresh insights from Pew Research Center about Generation Z and what their views are on political issues. And finally, there's the Brexit train wreck unfolding as we are taping this show. I believe Theresa May was just won her confidence vote. Um, But we're going to dig into some British insults that Americans might not realize are actual insults. Spoiler, they're all insults. (laughs) There were a couple that I was like, wait, that is? It's always an insult. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, So first things first, let's talk about the shutdown and who it has impacted and how much. So there are a couple polls on this. You have Reuters that shows almost four in 10 people say they know someone who has uh, been affected. Um, 38% of people, um, they say they know someone who's been affected. 25% said they're unsure, they don't know. 37% said no, they have not been affected. Um, ABC asked the question a little differently. They said, has you been personally inconvenienced by the partial shutdown of the federal government or not? And has it been a major inconvenience or a minor inconvenience? They are showing right now 82% of people say they are not inconvenienced, which doesn't mean they don't think it's a crisis, which doesn't mean they don't think it's a problem, but they have not personally been inconvenienced. And there's trend data on this. I don't actually think we have it here, but they asked this question in past shutdowns, and it was comparable to past shutdowns. However, this poll was taken prior to the past weekend, which is when you had, I think, a lot of people, the first paycheck getting missed. Mm -hmm. Um, And... The inconveniences are swelling, right? Now you have more and more airports that are having TSA issues. And so this number could begin moving very quickly and possibly begin moving faster than other indicators like presidential job approval, et cetera, right. if we have a food outbreak or airline issue or whatever. Right, right, right. Or if the um, State of the Union is not – well, that's not pe- feeling personally convenience, but seeing some inconvenience, but seeing some sort of effect where you see that. Yeah, and I'll be fascinated next week because I actually am not sure how the politics of canceling the State of the Union will play out. Like I will be real curious it's next week. It's not canceling week. saying submitted in writing it's, or postponed. It's uh, not like yeah. – it's if not it's, saying – do not provide a State of the Union, just submit it in if, writing. If this is a written instead of oral assignment all of a sudden, 
I actually think America might be kind of okay with that. Um, but <laughs> yeah. if well, we'll see. Anyhow, I'm I'm fascinated to see how that we're, all we're ahead out. of ourselves. But I think you know these questions are different because personally affected is different than inconvenience. You could be affected but not inconvenienced, for example. So it it makes sense to me that these questions are different. I don't know if the field times are exactly the same, but they're similar. Um, and you know, I I, I agree. I think these things are going to start to become more salient. You have a lot of people and a lot of folks trying to, you know, the media trying to really focus on the impact of the shutdown. It is the longest. I mean, this is that really, you know, means something. I think the story over the weekend of, you know, even how it affects the president that he couldn't get food, the White House staff wasn't around. So he had to order takeout for uh, visiting team Um, that showed, I don't know if people are going to feel affected, but that is a sign of like, this is, you know, even the, the people in defense. the White House. Yes. I'm putting my Republican hat on, which I never do on this show. This is the moment he became president. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of him. Okay. My favorite. With his hamburgers. My, fa- the, my favorite meme. My favorite meme out of all of this is someone has taken four images and put them side by side. The first is the image from Empire Strikes Back where you have like Leia and Han are about to be brought into some kind of dinner meeting. Some kind of, of dinner thing. <laughs> then the second image is Lando Calrissian. Like, oh, yes, we're about to go into this dinner. The third look is the look of shock on Han's face <laughs> as the door opens. And the fourth <laughs> image is Trump there at the table with his arms extended and the trays of McDonald's sauces on silver platters. That made me so upset, Trump, with all the hamburgers. Like, I, that just made me so incredibly sad. No, it did. Oh, I, I just totally really, disagree. I, I totally just really, disagree with you. I mean, I know it what doesn't do matter. What do college kids want to eat? I mean, well, performance, not necessarily high-performance athletes, you know, so, and... Season's over. Season's over. So... I This was 100% the right choice. <laughs> I will fight you to this. I will fight you on this. I'm not saying... <laughs> I, I understand that I was not the target market for that <laughs> particular thing, but I just uh, kept seeing it over and over again. It's just, you know, it's just the whole thing made me sad. It's, it is it is the sort of thing where if you beamed that image back in time to me like five years ago, I would be like, what the hell is this? What is going on? Wait a minute. Hang on. Someone explain this to me. But at this point, like the absurdity just washes over me. And yes. I'm also going to 100% serve chicken nuggets on a silver platter at my next party. <laughs> that is that is like my <laughs> speed. That's like my Twitter bio. Like chicken nugget sauce on a silver platter. That's my life. Very glam. So fabulous. Um, so, you know, increasing number of people say that the shutdown is very serious. So this is something that's moving, you know, quite quickly. And you're going to hear this. I, I think it's hard. Obviously, people in Washington want to cover this because this is shut down. It's important. This is news. And then also the Washington area is always hit hard by this. And it's not just the people who are who are not getting paychecks. It's everybody who serves them, all the restaurants, all the, you know, service providers, anybody who, you know, landlords, everybody who Uber you know, drivers, Uber yeah. drivers, all of that, everybody who depends on, you know, child care workers, everybody who depends on you know, the the income of the, you know, community here, which is so dependent on the federal government, so plays a role. But it's not just in the Washington area. It's everywhere. And the fact that these numbers now reflect people feeling it nationally, I think, is quite something. I mean, 
We'll see how this changes. I mean, it doesn't seem like, based on these numbers, it would go in the revert. You know, it would somehow become less of an issue or seen as less serious or less inconvenient or less of an impact unless it goes away. I mean, there's only one direction these numbers can go. Yeah. So, of course, the shutdown, most people continue to blame President Trump for the shutdown. There were a few different ways this question got asked. There's uh, There was the way, I believe, that ABC Washington Post asked it, where I believe believe they collapsed, and now I actually can't find this question. Um, yes, they collapsed uh, Trump and Republicans in Congress together mm, instead of having right. them split out, right. which I, th- I think is probably the better way to think about this. I don't know how many people are really going like, well, this is more uh, Trump than Mitch McConnell. or right. I, Like, I don't think people are sli- – most people are slicing and dicing it that way. Right. Um, and so when they asked it, 53 percent of Americans overall – say that they think Trump and Republicans in Congress are mainly responsible. Only 29 percent say it is Democrats in Congress. We also had the Huffington Post YouGov poll that kind of looks at this, how much it has changed. They ask it where it is split out, and they find that the biggest uh, shift has actually been people just saying, I'm mad at Congress as a whole, um, where a negative 45 job approval of Congress as a whole and how it's handled the shutdown, um, which is worse than Republicans in Congress alone or Democrats in Congress alone, and is also significantly worse than President Trump alone. So there is there's a sizable contingent of people that are having the like a play go both their houses. But like when it comes down to it for their own party, don't think their own party is necessarily fully complicit. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is when Trump in his initial meetings with Pelosi and Schumer and them said, like, yeah, this is my shutdown. I mean, the voters heard that he he owns the shutdown. Um, and the question is just, is this going to tug on his approval ratings and also what's it doing to the politics of what we have shut the government down over which is the wall right um yeah no i think i mean the other thing to watch though before we move to the wall piece is what happens with independence i mean the same washington post abc poll majority of independents put the blame on trump and republicans in congress i think and you know the intensity too is you know when you ask like how do, do you prove or disapprove how they're handling the shutdown the intensity also really shows that you know, Trump is in the danger zone here with a majority strongly disapproving how he's been handling the shutdown. I mean, this is, you know, with all these issues, no matter what it is, whatever sort of the tableau that we're having a debate about, it's these questions always bring out people's partisan side. And it's, you know, the variation is not from issue to issue. You'll frequently see Trump with the same numbers among Democrats who blame him for whatever it is and Republicans who blame Democrats for whatever it is and so on. Um, but the numbers for Trump are really so much worse, are, not, are quite a bit worse than the numbers for Republicans in Congress. And I think that makes sense given that he is the, you know, the shutdown began when Republicans were, you know, held the House and continuing Democrats held the House and Trump was president both times. So I think that's part of it too is that he's been kind of the ma- you know, the major player from the beginning through the middle to where we are in the shutdown. So when it comes to the wall, um, ABC Washington Post asked about people's do you support or oppose building a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border? Um, They find 54 percent say they oppose, only 42 percent say they support. However, and I'm trying to find the link to this and I'm – I need to log into the Washington Post. I'm getting locked out behind the paywall and can't find my login. Um, That the – I believe that this is actually an increase – 
in support for the wall, even though it remains unpopular. Like this is a slightly better number for the wall than I think it was a year ago, but it's still not popular. And that part of this is people, you know, following the leader. Um, I, By the way, I figured out what the book is that like really lays this out. It's called Follow the Leader, question mm. mark, by an academic out of uh, Berkeley who dives into the ways in which in the modern era, people are increasingly uh, not just like oh, do I like a wall or not? And if you like a wall, you go, right. okay, well, Trump's my guy, that it runs the other way, that you're like, I like Trump. Trump likes a wall. So now I don't like the FBI anymore. Or now I yeah. you know, support the wall. Right. That all this stuff is people following the right. cues of their political leaders. Well, so lots of people have shown just a little bit of an uptick of support for the wall. Quinnipiac showed the same thing now. They have 43 support, 55 oppose in May of last uh, – not last year, of 2017. They had a third support, 64 oppose. So that is a, you know, a bit of an increase for support for the wall. And Pew showed the same thing, a little bit of increase increase in support for the wall. And what Pew showed, they have this incredible chart. So they show something similar where in 2016, 62% opposed the wall. Now it's 58%. That's not a massive change. Before, 34% favor. Now, 40% favor. That's not a massive increase in support. I mean, these aren't massive numbers, but there is a trend over time if you look at their chart. But that what is striking is what happens underneath the surface, uh, the partisan level. So they look at Republicans, who the percent who favor. And in 16, it was two-thirds. Two-thirds of Republicans favor the wall in 16. Now it's 82 mm-hmm. percent. Among Democrats, it was 13. Didn't have much lower to go. But now it's at 6 percent that favor. So you see the overall trend line shows a little bit of narrowing between the favor and opposed lines for the wall. But if you look at percent favor by party – it's, you know, moving ever further apart. Yes, it's um, it's really incredible. And so that is a sign of this partisan divide just like really happening. Uh, this is a new issue. So we're not that we didn't talk about a wall like this before Trump in this kind of way where it was this thing we polled on a regular basis. Right. This was not a part of our political dialogue in the same way. And so this is a new issue that we are watching change and evolve before our eyes as a response to how people view Trump. Maybe at first people thought, well, maybe I'm open to this wall idea. Now it's clear the wall is a symbol of Trump and Republicans who support him therefore support the wall, just as you were saying. It is you know, very clearly aligns with him. And the fact that that's continuing is that good for the president or not good for the president, I mean – There may be an increasing amount of support for the wall a little bit because of this uptick among Republicans. But, you know, his numbers, we'll talk about his approval in a little bit. But, you know, the numbers in terms of blame for the shutdown as it relates to this, you know, it's pretty it's pretty clear where people are. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees, and it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Now, in Quinnipiac's poll, they also asked people, did President Trump's recent televised address to the nation change your mind about building a wall along the border with Mexico or not? Only 2 percent said, yes, I changed my mind. However, this question's – let me just say – yeah. More people may have changed their mind. People are not typically willing to confess to say, yep, oh, I changed my I mind. Changed my mind. So – 
Take that with a grain of salt, everyone. Take it with a grain of salt. But yes, it's not a completely unbelievable uh, statement when you think about just how kind of calcified people's views are these days. Yeah. That may be a smaller number than the percent that's actually moving as a result, maybe not of one speech or another, because I don't think a lot – I don't know if they asked the same question for – um, the response. But people, you know, that I'm not surprised that that number is low. The question is, are there people actually moving in this debate one way or the other? And I, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, now, you know, when you look at, so while that support for the wall in some polls may be in the 40s, um, the percent that supports shutting down the government to make sure that the wall receives funding, that's actually a bit lower. Yeah. So Quinnipiac, in the same poll that showed it, like whatever it was, 43% support for the wall, 32% support shutting down the government for the wall. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the White House is backed into a very politically uh, challenging position now. They feel like they can't back down, but um, it's they, – they've not – numbers are not moving in their direction and, in fact, quite the opposite. Um, I think now is a good time to talk about the president's job approval, which is in the Huffington Post pollster average, It as of press time – is still about 43 percent. Um, according to Real Clear Politics, the one that I, I looked at it this morning and was tweeting out some clips from it, it's 41 percent in RCP. And it's being pulled down by a CNN and um, a Gallup number, which have him at 37. Right. So his numbers are not – and this I actually got into a little bit of like a back and forth with Joe and Barnacle and them on Morning Joe this morning because they were like – this is record low numbers for the president. He's being destroyed by the shutdown. And I was like, uh, his numbers aren't moving in the right direction, but he's been losing about a half a point a week since like polling picked back up after the holidays, which is not the direction you want to go. And that the slope of that line could always get worse. But like he's not at the lows of his presidency right now, like in terms of job approval. He might. There might be a wave of polls that come out in the next few days that show that, but he's not right now. And that was like, people were like, what are you talking about? And so I had to like tweet in my defense, like, here are all of the presidential job approval polls. I know you had like really hate the president and you really think this is a disaster, but I'm telling you his numbers are so sticky that they have just not moved yet, yet being the big caveat, as much as like you and your strong dislike of the shutdown seem to suggest they should have. Right. I mean, so I think that a couple things can be true. I mean, one, the president can have a narrow band that he moves in between that's ultimately not very volatile, you know, despite everyone feeling like we're incredibly volatile times. And that's like 36 to 44 or what, something like that, right? 37 to 44. He's at the low end of that band right now, but he's not – he hasn't gone below where he's been. But that's the basic – place he's been from the beginning. It's also true that his numbers have never been good and that's not a good band to be in. And we, he can – everyone can sort of have a thought, have a feeling about what what it's like when he's at 43 percent approval. That's not good either. You know, that's just better than where he is other times. Um, right now he's at the low end of that. But I think Gallup did some work. But th- this is something that, you know, has been true for a while, that his numbers have just, you know, been, as an average have been worse in his first two, you mm-hmm. know, his first part of his term. Um, of his first term compared to any other past president where there's polling. He's had no cross-party appeal, like just terrible cross-party. So he has to rely solely on Republican support to really get those numbers, which is not a surprise given everything. But it is very stark and it is unique to him. You know, that's – it's whether that will now always be true for, from now on, that no one else will ever have cross-party appeal because we live in these hyper-partisan times. You know, we don't know. But for him – 
Right now, it's still true that he has no cross-party appeal. His numbers on average are worse than other presidents. And he he has this narrow band that he's never been really much higher than or much below than. Yeah. And the 37 percent that Gallup has him at right now is tied with his worst rating of the last 365 days. Right. But what that's not taking into account is that his numbers were uglier around Charlottesville and right. like the sort of late summer-ish of 2017. Like, right. It can get worse. He has not hit bottom yet. Um, and that's why I think the White House should be panicked because the slope of that downward turn, it's not very steep right now. But the moment that what percentage of you are inconvenienced by the shutdown, right. the number the moment that number changes, yep. the slope of that line yep. ticks way down. And yep. they just need to be that's that's probably what if I was working in the White House, I would be focused on right now. So anyhow, that was that was my like defending myself this morning. Like it always drives me bananas when I go on a TV segment and I have like 15 numbers stored in my mind and I'm like using them to inform my thoughts. And someone's like, well, that's not true. And I have to like go afterwards later and tweet like my 16 footnotes One about like question mark. <laughs> I did my research before I came on your show. I know what I'm talking about. Sure. <laughs> My opinions can be wrong, but I come to the table with polling numbers that I have memorized. That is just what I do. Yeah. End rant. You know who's having really good poll numbers right now? Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Check it out. So she, uh, you know, had not been the most popular person. Um, Typically when you'd ask these, are you favorable or unfavorable to a variety of individuals type polls, um, she was not usually very high up on the list. But neither was Paul Ryan. Neither, neither was anyone Ryan. who had, you know, political. Yeah, Mitch McConnell. None, none of these people were. Um, I am a firm believer in the theory that everyone loves a winner. And once you win, some segment of people just like warm to you because you are ascendant and you have just won something. And Nancy Pelosi is seeing that effect. She is the newly elected speaker. And her fave unfave went from 29 un- 29 favorable, 53 unfavorable, so pretty sizable negative gap pre-election, to now she's 38-48, only a negative 10. For a politician, that's not so horrible. Yeah, if you come at the queen, you best not miss. Is that what these polling numbers— it, Was it the red coat? Was, was, it, the, suggest? was it the red coat? Um, yeah, I mean, this is also—this could be related to this. Is, is this a polling demonstration of Trump picking a fight— and that thing that he or person that he picks a fight with them becoming more popular, whether it's the ACA or Speaker Pelosi would be another example of that. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Well, she but she's not gone. True. But like, you know, if you're coming at her, coming at her the way you would at the ACA <laughs> and then people are like, actually, no, this is not right. So she's she is she's newly looking a little bit better than before. Um so let's talk a briefly about 2020. There's a there's some polling here. The GW that they basically did fave unfave polling of everybody: Donald Trump, Paul Ryan, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Vladimir Putin. None of whom I believe are running. Well, maybe maybe Bernie Sanders. None of the rest of whom I believe are running for the Democratic nomination in 2020. But then you have uh, a boatload of people who are all uh, all running. Many of whom do not have very high name ID. How is this sorted? Is this sorted by? It does not appear to be sorted, sorted by a any... whole <laughs> hell of a lot of anything. I'm, it's not alphabetical. It's not. It's not net fave. It's not fave minus unfave. It's not hard ID, right? 
No. Or am I missing something? No, I don't think you're missing something because it's not. We're sorry, listeners. You're hearing us live talk through <laughs> live this like, live table analysis. We 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 love you. This is like a table reading. This uh, is literally this is, a table reading. Um, <laughs> folks who give us uh, give us data, we love you. This is the G- uh, GW University poll, right? Yes. Um, yeah, this is the sort of thing where, like, I would be like, you need to either alphabetize it or right. rank it in some sort of order. Yes. Uh, okay. On this poll. It shows that Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, that over uh, at least a third of Americans do not know them. Uh, Cory Booker, about a third of Americans say they don't have an opinion of him. Mm-hmm. You have folks like Eric Garcetti, 75% of Americans don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, 61% of Americans don't know who she is. Have they not seen the her logo? amazing logo from a coffee <laughs> shop? Uh, I love when they were like, it's an overly enthusiastic supporter who just like left at a coffee shop. And I'm like, did I at one point ever doodle like potential Jeb campaign logos? I can't categorically rule it out. So I can't hate this. Yeah, I can't hate this. but it did. Ha- <laughs> I mean, it did have like a full treatment and explanation. Oh, Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> it yep. was a lot. I, I, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was a fun Twitter moment, I guess. Right? People were definitely enjoyed it on Twitter. <laughs> yes, but uh, by and large, when I'm looking through these fave and faves, there's not a ton that sticks out to me as particularly noteworthy. There are people who are well known. There are particularly people who are not well known. Um, the fave and faves for the more well known people look like what you would expect. Like they break down along fairly partisan lines. You know, someone like Joe Biden, for instance, fifty one percent favorable, forty two percent unfavorable. Um, the rest don't know. I mean, that that like those are not surprising figures to me. Um, what would be more interesting would be I would love to see this list by Democratic potential primary voters. Where are the name ID gaps there? That's the more interesting question right now. Yeah, I mean, I have to say. I'm kind of surprised that the don't knows are as low as they are for some of these folks, like Neil Gorsuch, for example, about a third don't know him. I mean, that seems actually quite low. I would think it would be a little bit higher. But Gorsuch, that's like the the war cry of the first. No, I, you know, but just based on everything I've, you know. Sure. I mean, I remember there was polling that showed like a half, you know, half of Americans didn't know who Scalia was. So I'm just, you know, some of these numbers I find. A, you know, a little bit surprising. I'm but. fascinated by the fact that only 36 percent of people in the country don't know who Beto O'Rourke right. is. Right. That was the like, other one. He's got a very high, a much higher name ID than I might have expected. But he's had quite a big couple of months. So who knows? Um, but, yeah, there's a there are an awful lot of people running for president on the Democratic side and an awful lot of them. There's a huge chunk of America that doesn't know him yet. So, America, you're about to find out. <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit about Gen Z. Or did you want to talk about this this last? No. Republic? Okay. Generation Z. Um, so I am so excited about this. The Pew Research Center has released a study on Generation Z. And unlike the – so the last time they released one, it was kind of an analysis of like the demographics of the generation. What will they look like in terms so of the, race, Before education. we do that, is this like the group that like – have we not decided uh, it's Generation Z or is it the group after that where we know we don't have a name for them? Z, we've decided it's Z and everything after we're like, we don't know. What you know, I'm be. a believer that when Pew Research Center says it, it becomes gospel. Sure. So I guess they're Generation Z yet. But this was the post, like who are the post millennials? Right. Question mark. Generation Z was one of the potential names for them. And it looks like that's what Pew has settled on. 
Okay. And that they are they are not wrong. Sure. I whatever they could have called them. If you and Pew decide that it's Generation Z, then I'm not going to spend a lot of time brainstorming on new names. If if, if you out there really hate that name, you have approximately three months to come up with something new before this really sticks and takes root. Yeah. Uh, So the last time they did this, it was more like a demographic profile of Gen Z. This time they have actually asked them for their opinions. And guess what? Their opinions are almost they the have exact them. same as millennials. They have them, and they're almost the same as millennials on on every single front. Um, so they ask them, do you approve of the job President Trump is doing as president? 30% of Gen Z says yes, which is the same number as for millennials. 70% think the government should do more to solve problems, which is slightly more open to government solving problems than millennials, who are at 64 Um, They tie millennials on the question of is increasing racial and ethnic diversity good for society? They are, of course, the most likely to say yes to that question. So they are they are everything you would think they would be. They are millennial esque. And in some questions, they are millennials, but like turned up a notch. So, for instance, on the issue of gender and the extent to which gender is binary versus a spectrum, um, Gen Z, 35% of them say they know someone personally uh, who prefers to be referred to using gender neutral pronouns, which is higher than for millennials, which is 25%, which is higher than for Gen Z, which is 16%. So silence, 7%. Silence. I am fascinated by who are the 7% in the silent generation. Grandparents. Yeah, like that's I like I want to do that focus group and just hear like what what is like what is it like for you to be in a world where this is changing so much the way people talk about this. Totally fascinated. Um so it's it's gender and do you think what do you think about the gender binary and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Those are the questions where Gen Z differs the most from millennials by being sort of even like further out in terms of it's things are changing, but on political stuff like and and also I would say on a couple of questions, the difference between Gen Z Republicans and Millennial Republicans is really interesting. Um, they've got one question here where they ask about. Do you believe that overall in our country today, blacks are treated less fairly than whites? For millennial Republicans, only 30 percent say yes to that question, which is higher than for any other generation, but still 30 percent. For Gen Z, it's 43 percent, almost half. No difference among Gen Z Democrats versus millennial Democrats versus Gen – I mean there's a little bit, but barely any difference. Democrats, regardless of their generation, overwhelmingly feel that way, but Republicans Mm – by generation, pretty big differences. Uh, Gen Z pretty much lines up with millennials on a, sign- a majority of them saying the climate is getting warmer due to human activity. Uh, a majority of them, they line up almost exactly with millennials on the question of is America better than other countries in the world? Are we one of the best countries with some other cool friends? Or are there a lot of other countries that are better than us? Uh, 56% think we're one of the best, but we got a lot of cool friends. Um, that's not actually how the question was worded. That's my <laughs> flip interpretation of it. That's your Gen uh, Z translator. My Gen Z translation. <laughs> um, among Gen Z and millennials, most approve of the NFL protests of kneeling during the anthem. I um, love Gen Z. They're Margie because they're progressive. Yeah. They're, ju- they're just as progressive as millennials, if not more so. Um, so anyhow, I am thrilled that this report exists because I cannot tell you how many times in the last few years. As I preach the gospel of, hey, Republicans, you should be talking to millennials. And people are like, ha, 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 you're so la, silly. La, 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 I can't hear you. <laughs> I have at times had people say, 
well, you know what? We should just give up on the millennials because I hear that the Gen Zers are more conservative. Really? And now I can be like, the Pew well, Research Center says you them, are wrong. What, would <laughs> ma- what evidence would somebody, like what even anecdotal yep. evidence? Like just magical thinking, land. like just magical. magical thinking, unicorn land polls. <laughs> well, now we have Pew I've Research Center who says no. At the CPAC panel I went to, I mean, how, like that just doesn't, I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm just saying, bless you, Pew Research Center, for putting this together. And if you are right of center and you want to be terrified, dive in. Take a read. Take a read. Gen Z. They're not, <laughs> they're think not it, like come around Pew to you. Research, they're like, okay, Q1, two years from now, what can we have that Kristen will use in panels for the rest of 2019? You and have. someone is like, I got it. <laughs> I need to send them a, a fruit basket. I'll send them an edible arrangement. Like, thank you. You have the thing I can rant about at conferences for the next 12 months. Bless you. Bless That's you. That's funny. So anyhow, um, yeah, Gen Z on like almost all of these questions looks exactly like millennials, with the exception of a handful of ones around um, race and gender. So take a look. This is great work. Okay. Guys. So for the close, and so we don't know what's happening Currently with Brexit, it's still tumultuous um, when we were recording this. But we did find something kind of funny about Britishisms. Okay, I have to put on my glasses here to see these. It's a little small. Um, and they had they had a variety of different lines. And they surveyed Americans and people from the UK and said, is this – you know, an insult or is it not an insult? So, for example, with the greatest respect, that's the statement. Interpretation A, I think you are an idiot. Interpretation B, I am listening to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> and Americans, a majority of Americans say, well, that means I'm listening to you. Two-thirds of English people say, I think that means I think you're an idiot. <laughs> is is with the greatest respect kind of like with all due respect? Because I interpret with all due respect, as a way of being like, I'm about to disagree with you. I'm about I'm about to disagree with you, and I'm trying to soften the blow. Right. But I so I guess with that reading, I should have pieced together that with the greatest respect means I think yeah, I think you're an idiot. But yeah, I would have got that one wrong. So I, I what I don't know. So here's another one. I'll I'll bear it in mind. Okay. So a majority of folks from the UK say I've forgotten it already. That's the interpretation. <laughs> Versus I will probably do it. And for Americans, they're a little bit more divided, but a plurality say it means I'll probably do it, right? And then there's another one. You must come for dinner. And a majority of folks from the UK, I, it's not an invitation. I'm just being polite versus I will send you an invitation soon. But Americans are basically evenly divided between those two. And because then we under- love free food, Margie. <laughs> Even when it's McDonald's. That's right. Even when it's McDonald's being served at the White House. I hear what you say. Um, <laughs> almost half of folks from the UK say, I disagree and do not want to discuss it further. <laughs> <laughs> and a majority of Americans say it's in fact means I accept your point of view. So here's what I don't know. I don't know, like, are these things insults or do like snarky 
Brits like the obnoxious, snarky answer to these questions. Is is it just that like Americans do not have the same sarcasm detector? Right, exactly. Like, that seems to be. But the the first one, the I think you are an idiot versus <laughs> I am listening to you. That's it. That's like a <laughs> here's how they can insult you, and you would just be like, I think they really like me. They said yeah. they respected me. I mean, the difference <laughs> between like sort of the American smiley optimism and kind of the snarky Brit humor. I mean, that is a, that is no joke, a real thing. Like that is a true, real cultural sure. difference that is, you know, striking as someone who occasionally spends time with people from the UK. It is quite it is quite a striking thing. And so you, I felt understood. I understood the, these differences here quite strikingly. Okay. So instead of some key findings, why don't you talk a little bit about what's on what's up next on the trend line for folks who don't remember what the trend line is because we haven't talked about it a while. What is, what is happening on the trend line? Oh, gosh. So on the trend line this week, I've got two folks I'm going to be talking to. Uh, Stephen Kent, my my buddy from Beltway Banthas, he is in town. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about, young, like, young libertarians. Where are you at? Where'd you guys go? Let's talk about it. Uh, and then I've got a great interview that I've taped with my friend Michelle Rempel, who is a member of parliament up in Canada, who she has a lot of thoughts about the way women in politics are treated and being a young elected official and what that's like and the view from Canada down on what's happening in the U.S. in terms of the energy debate and immigration. It's tons of fun. Um, And we'll dive into, I think we'll talk a little bit more about this Gen Z report and how it lines up with other stuff that's out there about Gen Z attitudes. So listen in. It's at 10 a.m. on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. And then where can people find us again? That's they can spiel. find us on Twitter at, at the pollsters individually at, at Margie O'Mara and at K. Soltis Anderson. You should find us at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook where there's always a lively debate. And we write back sometimes. And we write back sometimes. I continue to disappoint in that I have not thus far embodied um, the spirit and ghost of Phyllis Schlafly. But we continue to get the requests. I know. I continue to disappoint. I'm not sorry, but I I see you. I hear what you are saying. Yeah. In the parlance of the British, I hear With you. With all due respect. With all due respect, in the parlance of the British, I hear you. I see your posts. Thank you for engaging. Yes. Come find us there. Weigh in. We love to hear from you guys. Thanks. Bye.